All right, the party is back. Hey. Hey, everyone. <laughs> it's your favorite new redhead and the OG redhead. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Real Solution Podcast. Yet another fake statement. <laughs> I oh. was a real redhead. Oh, okay. You are a boxed redhead. So, hey, True. boxed? Wait a True. minute. That is so shady. I don't I do not do box. I get professional. Color and you and you think that they just miraculously make? I think those come from a box too. <laughs> I'm gonna say a jug, okay? Developer color. I'm gonna let it go. And the jug came in a box. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, guys. We appreciate you joining us for yet another episode of the Real Solution Podcast. Um, we are here, also joined by that mysterious third voice. As always, we want to involve our fabulous real people here to the Real Solution Podcast. So we are going to welcome a wonderful friend of mine. Give it up for Sable. (laughs) I believed you until you said the friend part. Wow. (laughs) I have friends besides, you know, you, my captor. You know, that's fine. I don't know. You 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 haven't been working long enough to be able to afford friends. You got that right. I am still a broke college student. Please donate to the college fund. Okay, this master's is not paying for itself for at least six more months. So it's okay. You guys, it is still February, um, twenty twenty one. Wow, it's almost March. Can you believe that? I know. It's going by fast. It is. Slow your road, 2021. Although next month is a great month. Aries Nation, happy birthday to me. Yay. Yay. Your birthday <laughs> coming up. It is. Exciting. You and two of my kids. Woo. Yeah. Nothing like a good March baby. There you go. <laughs> well, of course, February is Black History Month. We celebrate it every year and we will not be who we were if we don't do our due diligence to Black History Month. So that's exactly what we're going to have the conversation on today. Woo, woo, woo. So I'm also going to bring up uh, Cicely Tyson. We did lose Cicely Tyson earlier this month. A tragedy. I mean, I was in shambles. Love Cicely Tyson. Amazing actress. Yes. Uh, she lived to be in her 90s, if I'm she correct. She was 96. 96. 96. OMG. And that is a blessing to live that long. It really is. And so I want to make sure that we give uh, her legacy some commemoration here on the real solution podcast you know i was a thespian back in my day i miss the theater so much i hate that the world is closed down because i miss the theater anytime that i felt i needed to get back to my roots i would just go see a play by myself they closed down so you wouldn't go (laughs) that is an abomination and i'm not happy about it (laughs) Open up outside 2021. That's the motto. (laughs) Just keep Brandon out of the theater. I can't wait to go back. I can't wait to go back to the movie theater, the plays, all of that. You may catch me in the next uh, Broadway of uh, Hamilton. You never know, okay? I I know every song word for word. (laughs) I could be Lin-Manuel's protege, okay? 
You could be, but you won't. <laughs> <laughs> you see how you get treated around here? That's this is the thanks I get. My talents will be enjoyed by the world. <laughs> All right. So okay, that's why we have <laughs> such a following. <laughs> wow. You know what? It's fine. I will be a star. A star is born. I'm gonna be in the next rendition of it. We've got three now. Um, but okay. yeah, just wanted to touch base. Make sure that we honor the legacy of Cicely Tyson, um, an incredible actress. Uh, I am gonna pull up some information. Um, that the world obviously can Google themselves, including me. Um, she was born in 1924. I mean, she saw, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible to think about going through the industry over all those decades. Mm-hmm. It, it really yeah. is for me to think about that. She saw the civil rights era. Mm-hmm. Um, she saw post civil rights era. Um, and to still be able to, uh, to me, it's inspiring as a black woman that she had such a career um, that she did. Just because I don't really know, you don't really hear too much about, you know, beyond the vaudeville days. You don't really I hear about the early days of, you know, actresses and actors and their industry. Obviously, there's history on it, um, but you don't get too much of that now in this century. In the 21st century and in the current 2020s can't believe i'm still here in 2021 like that's wild um, but cicely tyson imagine the changes that she saw yeah even in theater and movies not to mention their personal lives you know she saw microwaves come about and computers and phones and cell phones. See that? Yeah, that's that's incredible. And like for us, we saw the early stages of that. Like I remember the flip phones. Yep, the sidekick. Oh my god, the sidekick, <laughs> the blackberries. Yes. You know, now we had a gateway. I had a gateway, gateway yes. desktop with you know. the dial-up internet. Yeah, dial-up. <laughs> so like you know, us early nineties. I'm still in the early nineties, baby. We caught like the tail end of yeah. that starting because um, dial up is crazy. Then 2002s and mm-hmm. 2003s, they don't know about my dial up. <laughs> I remember that noise. Having to wait for it to load. And then <laughs> if you answer the phone yeah, and someone get kicked all... out, yeah, that's a period people will not be able to live through. Um, yeah, but- my kids do not know life without a computer or without a cell phone <laughs> or a tablet. Or tablets. We didn't have tablets back in my days. We had them old colored Macs at school mm-hmm. that you was real excited for. I when I I took computer programming when I was in high school. Now this will really date me. Um, they were just terminals on the table. They were the great big one CRTs. Oh, wow. And you had to go into another room to the drives, and there were like six to eight drives. They were huge. I mean, they were bigger than a hot water heater, and they had to keep the room in the uh, mid-60s or lower. Otherwise, the hard drives would overheat. See, I that <laughs> yeah, dating yourself. <laughs> because I can't even imagine. 
Um, but a little bit about Cicely Tyson, born December 19th, 1924. Um, you know, some sources actually, uh, they give her the title as a fashion model as well. Now, I will say her fashion sense in her later years was truly iconic. Mm-hmm. I mean, her, uh, she would pose and serve and in the clothing that she wore. I mean, I was a little jealous myself. Well, the article that I read um, actually said she was a model and an actress. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I had heard a few sources document her as a fashion model, but I didn't, I guess that part wasn't a, I guess maybe that was in her earlier years. Um, and then, of course, Never her fa- her fashion, yeah, her fashion sense as an actress just mm-hmm. got better and better. She had a career that spanned seven decades. That's incredible. You don't find too many people that have acting careers that long no and was doing an incredible job at then my first um film involving cicely tyson as far as i can remember was um tyler perry's first film which was diary of a mad black woman um and of course when you see her in that film then they also talked about her career as far as being in roots and Roots was a long, oh, it was a long movie, <laughs> long series film, <laughs> but it was an important part of, uh, I guess I should say, television uh, history. That that was a peak film, and it was multiple uh, films, if I'm correct. Um, but we definitely wanted to just touch on Cicely Tyson, um, sending. Uh, what am I trying to say here? Sending everyone who loved her. I know a lot of celebrities truly mm-hmm. adored Cicely Tyson as far as her legacy in film and television, who she was as an individual. Um, you just saw post after post after post uh, just being thankful for having her. And what's, what's so touching to me, you know, she did a final interview I, I don't know if it was days or like a week, but I mean, within a close span of her passing uh, with Gail King, uh, and it was talking about her book. Didn't even know she was writing a book. Incredible. And I can't wait to get it. I'm sure it's sold out or it's going to go, uh, it's going to sell tremendously. Um, but, you know, she talked about her legacy. And I remember the question that Gail asked her, which was, you know, when the time comes, what do people, what do you want people to remember about you? And she said, I just want people to remember that I I did my best. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's such a vague answer, but I mean, it, 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 you can tell from who she was as an actress and the years that she put in the obstacles she faced. Um, you can tell that even just that statement itself meant a lot in many different areas. So I was truly just, blown away uh just seeing everyone come out in support of her um after her passing and to just hear about her and all all the work that she did um she faced like many many actresses she definitely faced her fair share of you know we call it a modern day me too me too movement but you know uh, inequalities in acting uh in the film and television industry um as well as inequalities for, you know, just being a woman. You know, she faced some 
some, I don't want to say, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say turmoil, but she faced harassment. There's the word I'm looking for. She faced harassment on levels um, growing uh, in the industry herself. So, and I remember hearing about that she had to make a decision about whether to continue her career in uh, film and entertainment and television. Uh, and after she had been through uh, whatever it is she had faced, uh, you know, being harassed uh, like that. So she did continue. And, uh, you know, it was it was truly uh, the will of God that allowed her to have the successful career that she had. Um, she has several honors. She has a Screen Actors Guild Award Award. Um, a Tony Award, Emmy Awards, uh, and Black Reel Awards. She is, um, I mean, she's truly, truly a well-versed actress. Um, anything that you'd like to commemorate on as um, far as Cicely Tyson? Her acting skills. <laughs> she was a great actor. Yes, she was a great Or actress, actor. I should say. Yes, all her movies she was in. All movies I've seen. In 1977, she was inducted into the Black Filmmakers Hall of Fame. In 1980, she received the Golden Plate Award of the American Academy of Achievement. And in 1982, she was awarded the Women in Film Crystal Award. I mean, they kept coming back to back. And that was in the 80s, 70s and 80s. And she was also honored by Congress of Racial Equality as well as the National Association for the Advancement of Color People mm -hmm. and the National Council of Negro Women. You know, that's that's another point. And, you know, I, we've talked about this in the past, you know, in her earlier generation, uh, you know, they were still referred to as Negro back mm -hmm. then. Yeah. You know, I've told the story how I remember seeing the death certificate of my grandmother and reading that, it read Negro on it. And I was like, that's, that's incredible. I, not to say incredible, um, cause we don't use that term. <laughs> it's outdated, but it's, you know, it's still important to remember like certain elements of civil rights have changed. It's still pretty recent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, the, and to bring to light that, you know what, let cancel culture, get a hold of it. And then you would never know that she won that award. So we have to make sure that we don't kill so much of history that we forget or lose our heroes or our heroines. Absolutely. And I can't wait till we have a conversation about cancel culture. That's a that's a going to be a really good conversation as far as what that means. Well, and here's a, another great thing. Um, following the year that she... In 2015, she was named a Kennedy Center honoree, and the following year, she was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. That's exactly what I was I was trying to make sure I didn't get that screwed up when you said she was uh, honored by Congress. I was I know President Obama gave her a medal, so that was her Presidential Medal of Freedom. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that was just an amazing that's an amazing photo to see. It, it circulates very heavily and it's incredible to see that photo. Well, and well before her Medea debuts, <laughs> <laughs> she um, 
did receive an Academy Award nomination for Best Actress in 1972 for the film Sounder. And the reason I bring that up is because then in 2018, because she never did receive an Academy Award, so in 2018 she did receive an Honorary Academy Award. Ah, yep, I see. Mm -hmm. An Honorary Academy Award. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I see some of her notable work here. Sounder, 1972. The Autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman. Um, Oldest Living Confederate Widow Tells All in 1994. Oh, The Help. The Help. Um, And I didn't know she had a stint in How to Get Away with Murder. Oh, she did. She was her mother. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I had to let How to Get Away with Murder go. You know, I don't do television, that stuff, and how you're oh, stressed but out. she was good. She was a good actor in that show, too. That's awesome. I'm going to have to, I feel the need to have to go back mm-hmm. there now. There was not, I don't know of anything that she was in that was a flop. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Absolutely. I did not know she was also married to jazz trumpeter Miles Davis. Yep, from you're 81 not, to 88. You know, it's all, you know, the celebrities always marry the other celebrities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that is just a, not even a fraction of the legacy of Cicely Tyson. And we wanted to make sure that we did our part again in just bringing up her legacy, her work. Uh, and we wanted to carry on. We want to see actors and actresses um, successful, um, successful people of color in the industry. Uh, we want all those to be successful as that is their path, their passion. Um, but to know that Cicely was an icon in the early stages of television and film. I mean, that takes incredible courage, hard work, determination, perseverance, um, and to be a woman in that aspect as well during those times, truly an incredible. She's seen some things. She has seen some things in her lifetime, and we will truly miss uh, Cicely Tyson and continue to honor her. Well, and she always... Everything she always looked at the bright side of everything, and you don't hear anything negative from people about her. She really is and was a mentor to people, a role model to everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even some of the biggest people we consider as celebrities or in television and film Oprah Winfrey, Tyler Perry, uh, many actresses and actors. They rave just about the genuine person that Cicely Tyson was. So I definitely wanted to make sure that we brought her up. Um, I, you know, it's just we were all hurt. It was like we were just like, nah, Cicely. I was I was was taken aback, not during Black History Month. Mm -hmm. But I also believe everything happens for a reason. I think this was, I don't want to, I will say divine timing. You know, that she was brought up during this month in 2021. Let's say that. I don't want to state her death as something to look forward to, but it's it's truly a moment in time. I'll say that. And she lived a good life, too. Absolutely. Well, now that we have covered our legacy of Cicely Tyson, we'll get to our lovely guest. <laughs> we want to make sure that everyone is included here. Sable, thank you again for joining us. Anytime. Um, so I just told Sable that I'm going to pose one question to her and I'm going to let her have at it. But before I do that, I definitely want you to just tell 
the people a little bit about you, where you are. Uh, well, you know, you're one of our real people, a part of the real solution here. So what's your take on um, just where you are right now in life? Why, why do you why are you a real person that matters? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm a real person that matters because like um, I've been through a lot. I've seen a lot, too. But I feel like I'm like Cicely Tyson. Like I'm very positive about everything. Um, I don't look at the negativity. I look at the positive in, in anything that happens in life. I feel like things happen for a reason. So um, I feel like that's main thing about me. I'm also a nurse, so I'm out here saving lives yes. every day. We appreciate <laughs> our healthcare workers. Yes. Exactly. How long have you been a nurse? Um, I've been working since August of last year. August of last year. Yes. So you really saw. I mean, you came into the industry like at, almost at the peak of, I don't want to say the peak, but you saw the whole pandemic process. Essentially. Yes, I have. I'm still seeing that. Yeah. How, how, how has that been? How is that for you currently? Um, and you're here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. How is that for you currently? What have you seen since the beginning and now? Um, I've seen a lot, you know, as far as like nurses leaving and then like patients, like family members not being able to see their family. You know, loved ones are passing away every day. Um, this pandemic is serious. Some people don't take it serious, but, you know, as healthcare professionals, we see it every day. You know, it's a sad situation. I hate it. Um, but as as right now, I don't think it's getting any better. I feel like it's getting worse. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's interesting that you say that because there I, I don't want to call them reports, but you don't hear as much of the COVID-19 and pandemic uh, uh, th- this time period, you don't hear it as much as we did back in the peak of last year. So mm-hmm. some would argue that it's slowing down. Do you see? Do you think it is? Do you think it's speeding up? Where do you think it lies now? Um, I think it's um speeding up. I don't think it's slowing down. I think it's speeding up because more people are getting too comfortable, not want to wear their masks, not want to wash their hands. They just think you know it's not serious. So I think it's um it's speeding up because more people are catching COVID now. And we're seeing like a peak in the hospitals. People are coming in and getting tested and becoming positive, and then they start to decline real fast. Yeah. Do you think the vaccine's going to change at all? Have you seen any? What do you think about the vaccines that are being approved and and are being administered? What do you think the work of the vaccine's doing right now? Um, I have mixed emotions about the vaccine. You know, everybody has their own opinion about it, but I feel the vaccine. Like you get the vaccine, of course, you know, if you want it. Um, it's supposed to, you know supposed to decrease your symptoms like when you do get like COVID um, but some people you know get the vaccine and they end up you know dying from it and then some people get the vaccine totally fine so it just depends on what you are open to doing for me I feel like the vaccine it helps some people and some people it does it either way it goes you can still get COVID and it's just I think that's important that you said yeah. that no matter if you get it or don't you still have that uh that variable that you could still get COVID, COVID yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. awesome well thank you so much for sharing that so I asked Sable I was going to pose one question to her and let her go on her tangent here in <laughs> February of 2021 what does black history mean to you what elements what variables is it one thing is it many things it's all you you are a you're in your 20s considered a millennial you're living here in the city of atlanta yeah um what does that mean for you what does black history at this point in time mean for you and it's you know has it changed since we were kids i think it i don't think it has changed i think now that i'm older i see more of it 
Um, I feel like Black History Month is recognizing like the people before us who paved the way for us to be together. Whites, Blacks, Hispanics, all of us who come together as one, um, you know, in education, at work, out in the public. Um, so I think that's what Black History Month means to me is just being together, coming together and realizing the struggles that Black people went through, you know, before we were born. So... Yeah, absolutely. Do you think as far as black history that it is um, exclusive? Do you think it is restrictive or excluding? Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. Any of those maybe that they either contradict or go together? Um, I think it's excluded because you really don't hear too much about, especially like in education now. I feel like it has been cut out. A lot of people don't know that much about Black History Month. And the people before us, the leaders who have paved the way for us to become together. Yeah, I definitely think it's important to acknowledge that there were a lot of different individuals that Mm -hmm. make up black history. And I think that's a great segue because. Carol, if I'm correct, that's actually something you wanted to touch on today. Well, I can tell you, you can thank President Woodrow Wilson. Yes. Because uh, President Wilson, during his time, was so prejudiced that he actually had a lot of people of color written out of the history books. And so that's why in modern history, we don't know about a lot of these people um, because he he made it a, a big point to do that. Um, I have been taking some constitution classes and one of the the people that come and speak a lot are the Barton family. Um, they have um, the most extensive history museum of the American Revolution and they make it a big point for people to know that there were lots of black patriots in history Um, and we need to make sure that our youth hear about them know about them because you know they didn't just start with Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, yeah. Very correct. And I'm glad you brought that up because um, someone brought it to my attention today that prior to Rosa Parks uh, not giving up her seat on the bus, there was actually another young lady that predated her with that same incident. Um, So actually, give me just a moment. I will pull that up. So I actually posed the question to some of my Instagram followers. Um, I'd actually like to give a shout out to the young lady that actually informed me because I was not aware of this, but her name was Claudette Colvin. Um, so I'd like to give a shout out to our lovely Real Solution podcast listener, Ariel. Um, she's actually here in Atlanta as well. But she actually, I asked the Instagram community, I said, name a black history fact to acknowledge on the podcast today. And she brought up Claudette Colvin, who was one of four women challenging segregation in a court of law in 1955 
at 15 years old. And just a snippet of what I was able to bring about from her. It says Claudette Colvin is an activist who was a pioneer in the civil rights movement in Alabama during the 1950s. She refused to give up her seat on a bus months before Rosa Parks' more famous protest. This is from biography.com as well, in case anyone wants to look that up. Um, A little bit more detail was that uh, Claudette Colvin uh, refused to give up her seat for Rosa Parks for a white passenger. She was arrested and became one of four plaintiffs in the Browder versus Gale which ruled that Montgomery's segregated bus system was unconstitutional. Uh, Someone brought it up and I just wanted to go through that really quickly because they highlighted, because I said, I didn't know anything about this young lady. And they, someone else responded and said, yeah, they thought that since she was a teen mom at age 15, that she wouldn't have been a, that she would not have been a good fit for the movement Um, And by they, I'm assuming that we're referencing like the NAACP at the time Um, from the research that this uh, that this individual brought to my attention. They chose Rosa Parks um, because she was an older, fair skinned woman. And the idea was that white people would be uh, more appealing to Rosa than to Claudette since she was a darker skinned woman. I did not know that. So you've got I mean, just in that little snippet you've got not only this issue of segregation um but you've got this uh civil rights background you also have colorism colorism is a you know colorism and carol i'm not sure if you are have ever heard about colorism i i i my assumption is that you have but not to the degree that the black community or actually several other groups of communities of people of color actually endure um I would actually say all of them, Hispanic communities and Latino communities, Asian communities as well, because there are dark skin and light skin Asian communities. And then, of course, in the black community, colorism is a very serious topic. It is also and I don't want to say I agree with it, but it's also a very humorous topic. You know, there's always this uh, banter between the light skin community and the dark skin community. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I, I'll be the first to admit I've been guilty of making fun of it and jokes myself. I have a handsome, handsome nephew, um, and he is of a lighter complexion than myself or than his mother. Um, and, you know, of course, that doesn't mean anything biased, but of course, it, people point out things like that and say that there may be differences because of that. So I wanted to bring that up because I did ask the followers and I was not aware about Claudette Colvin. Had you heard of Claudette Colvin? I had not. Me either. It's my first time hearing about it. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to do some more uh, research on her. Maybe uh, we bring to light some more information about her uh, going forward. But Kira, I'll let you continue. Oh, no problem. (laughs) Well, have you all heard about a little skirmish called the Boston Massacre? Yes. Yes, ma'am. So did you know that the American Revolutionary War, based on history, started with a black man and ended with a black man? So I'll, I'll admit I have heard that statement before. I cannot tell you the details of it. And it did not come out until years later as people began. 
as people try to become more, hey, I want to point this out about Black history, it was the first time that I heard something like that. Well, what happened was um, there was a bit of a dispute or a ruckus that was beginning, um, and there was a, a, a fight broke out. Shots were fired. That's actually where the shot heard around the world statement comes from. Well, that very first shot or in that war or that conflict, however you want to talk about it, there were five colonists that were killed. Well, a man by the name of Crispus Attucks was the first man shot or fell that they can determine from history. Um, that's how the war started, the Revolutionary War. So it started with Crispus Attucks. So then there were many other people throughout the war that were, you know, skirmishes all over the place. Um, a lot of your black patriots joined the Revolutionary War because they were told if they um, volunteered that at the end of the war, they would be given their freedom. So a lot of them joined either the North or the South or the British or the militia because they were promised their freedom. Well, as the war went on, it came to an end. I mean, there were several people. There's also Salem Poor. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, he began life as a Massachusetts slave, and he was born in bondage in the late 1740s. He purchased his own freedom two decades later for 27 pounds, which was the equivalent of a few thousand dollars today. But he joined the militias um, to fight for independence. He had purchased his independence. Now he wanted to have independence from the king. Um, so he played a big part. He was in battles of Saratoga and Monmouth. He was, however, best known for his heroism at the Battle of Bunker Hill, where his contributions so impressed fellow soldiers that after the war ended, 14 of them formally recognized his excellent battle skills with a petition to the General Court of Massachusetts. Um, they called him out as a brave and gallant soldier. He behaved like an experienced officer, and he was credited in that battle with killing British Lieutenant Colonel James Abercrombie along with several other enemy soldiers. So most people have never heard of him, and he played a really important part um, in the Revolutionary War. Um, you had a Colonel Ty. He was a loyalist guerrilla. He did... Um, he had groups and they did kind of guerrilla warfare. They would go into um, British areas and do kind of hit and run type of attacks. Um, he was, um, he stood out as a soldier from the start. The British did not station him as pitched battles. They saw more value in using his knowledge of coveted New Jersey territories. Um, 
the Patriot Center of Government in Philadelphia was an area of British occupation that they recognized his efforts at. Um, so he played a big part in that kind of raid warfare man- mentality. Um, he was pretty skillful at this. And so he um, did a whole lot in his part. Um, Then you've got, um, have you heard of the first Rhode Island regiment? I have, I have not. I have not. Okay. This was the first continental army unit, largely comprised of black new Englanders. Um, they were so skilled at what they did on the battlefield in the late 1770s when manpower was dwindling, um, George Washington had to make a decision and reconsider his original decision to ban black men from the Continental Army, that he let this regiment um, come up and told them, you know, he declared that both free and enslaved black people could serve. And because of the promise of freedom at the end of their service, this regiment pulled together and they were only about 130 men. They were the first Rhode Island regiment that had an outsized impact. Their commanding general was John Sullivan, praised its soldiers for their success. Um, When the Islanders journeyed to Virginia, where several thousand other soldiers were assembling, they stood out. Um, And according to a a French military officer, they were the most neatly dressed and best under arms and most precise in all their maneuvers of all their troops that were in Virginia at that time. Um, So they made a big impact. And then you have, have you heard of a lady named Phyllis Wheatley? Yes, I have a Phyllis Wheatley book. Okay. (laughs) Did you know she was a, a famous patriot poet? Yes. So um, she was extremely uh, influential with colonists that read her poems. Um, Her work reflected her close knowledge of ancient classics as well as biblical theology. Um, She carried strong messages against slavery and became a rallying cry for abolitionists. Um, George Washington... Um, let's see what say. She advocated independence and she was expressing support for George Washington's Revolutionary War in her poem to His Excellency General Washington. And he himself had been forced to end his formal education at age 11. She had been captured in... I forgot where it said she was, but she had been brought over here. She was captured as a child in West Africa, taken to North America, was enslaved, um, had an unusual experience in her account because her owners actually educated her and supported her in her literary pursuits, which is how she got into being a poet and she actually became what they referred to as a patriot poet 
So really, for those who are listening to this and are just like, this is a lot of information, the importance of this is realizing that even though there's a lot of modern conversation regarding black history, there's foundational black history from the beginning. Oh, yeah, there is so much that has been eliminated from our history books. And and I'm appalled that we have school systems right now who want to abolish all history. And I just I think that we just need to really make sure that we're discussing this out and about with all of our friends and family. We will never be able to say America has a perfect past. Um, you know, Agreed. slavery is one of our darkest times. Yes, that is so true. But so much came out of it that has been hidden and suppressed that we need to get it out there because I also believe that the more we focus on what's happened in our past it keeps us from repeating it in the future and it gives us the ability to celebrate regardless it's not about skin it's about accomplishments oh absolutely and we can't wait to actually have that conversation regarding the school education system (laughs) and history of all sorts um, I, I truly believe that our history books are in need of a revamp. But then oh, yeah. we get to the point of the question of why even have the conversation of history? And, I, and I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not for removing history from schools. Um, I do think there is a leverage into having it and to exploring it. But I think that the current uh, curriculum regarding history and school systems is so inconsistent that it only takes a certain type of individual who wants to continue that passion, not just because they're interested in history, not even knowing, hey, this is actually the foundation of this country or this is what this country is seen and this is where we are now um, because a lot of what we have it's nowhere it's not mentioned I, I don't think even one percent going through the school system as to what we actually know as far as our history well exactly I think we've dropped the ball in the respect and we'll go into it more when we get into our educational uh, episodes but Parents, we as parents sometimes drop the ball. We have been on autopilot. We sent them to school thinking that they're getting the best education and they weren't. Um, My three kids got three different educations and they're just two years apart. And it depended on the teacher that they got, whether they followed just what was in the books or they actually did their own presentation by doing research and showing them. And, you know, now they're all, teachers are afraid to do anything because no matter, we're on double-edged swords right now. If you teach them history, you're bad. If you don't teach them history, you're bad. So some schools just want to scrap it. <laughs> I think history should be like an option. Like you should have the option if you want to take history class or if you don't. And I would be fine with that. Here's, I think that we all need some history because what we've, what you find, 
is that if you don't know the pitfalls, the things they've been through in the past, you are inevitably going to repeat them. Absolutely. And just like this, when you don't study history, there is nothing to draw us all together as one, you know, and we're getting ready to go through it with what we're going through in the country right now. How do we pull people together? Well, certainly pointing out our differences in a negative way is not the route to go because that just, that just makes it worse. But when you look at somebody else's accomplishments and what they've done, it's uplifting. You, you start to look past whether you're black, yellow, green, red, or purple, you start to go, wow, that is something great. Just like Phyllis here, I did not know that they had a, a woman, first of all, and then second of all, who was writing poetry in conjunction with the Revolutionary War. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I, one of the biggest, uh, my philosophy on history is that as far as educating on it, I think the purpose behind it should be to examine what took place and in what scope is it going to have an effect going forward or in the current, you know, they're teaching things like the Louisiana purchase in history classes, <laughs> you know, in grade school. <laughs> And while I do think information like that is valuable, what does it leverage as it relates to the 2020s? What does it leverage in relation to the civil rights era or, you know, certain variables as far as purchasing land and like buying property or things like that, you know, power as far as countries and that's where I think there's a big gap in education and history education at that, um, because you're teaching some of these people are teaching these uh, courses and then there's no value to it going forward. Um, and the crazy part is, I think there's a lot of flexibility in teaching history. I think there is so much and that's not to negate and get away from facts. That's always going to be crucial and important. But I think the flexibility in what you're able to teach historically uh, and the information that comes with that, you can put that in a lot of kids' hands and a lot of teachers' hands, and we don't do it. I, I hate, and I don't use that word often, I hate the whole standardized uh, education system sometimes. Some elements you can't get away from that. You know, the sciences are kind of clear cut. You can't really change too much about the sciences and the facts that come with them. Some of these I don't other. Know. They've been doing a pretty good job of that lately. <laughs> well, manipula <laughs> manipulating genes and manipulating, creating petri dish humans, you're very correct. <laughs> um, but as far as cor uh, courses like history, you know, you can't really standardize that, in my opinion. There's facts and foundations. Absolutely. That should be across the board. But there's a lot of factual events, historical events in between all of that that need to be brought to light or uh, should be given the opportunity to be 
properly known in, in, in cultures, in communities. I'm not even going to say uh, cultures. In communities, specifically in, in American communities. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. <laughs> so let me close out the Revolutionary War. There was a gentleman named James Armistead. Have you heard of him? No. Well, he in essence helped George Washington to end the war. Um, James Armistead went from an enslaved person in Virginia to a double agent passing intel and misinformation between the two warring sides. Um, When he joined the Patriots' efforts, they assigned him to infiltrate the enemy, so he pretended to be a runaway slave wanting to serve the crown. Well, he was welcomed by the British with open arms, and so at first they assigned him medial support tasks, but he soon became a more strategic resource due to his vast knowledge of the local terrain. So Armistead's role got more interesting when the British directed him to spy on the Patriots. Since his loyalty remained with the colonists, he claimed to be bringing the British intel about the colonial army, Um, but he was actually pushing incorrect information to foil their plans. And in the meantime, he was learning details of the British battle plans, which he brought back to his commander. Originally, that was Marquis de, de, de Lafayette. Look, I could say that if I wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But because of his efforts, they got insight they needed to successfully execute the decisive siege of Yorktown, um, which effectively ended the American Revolutionary War. And years later, after a testimonial from the French general helped secure his freedom, um, he actually changed his name from Armistead to the surname of Lafayette. And so that is how a black man started the American Revolutionary War and one who was able to bring an end to the American Revolutionary War. And I know we're not taught that. Oh, absolutely not. Come on, black history. So I say all of, well, you say all of that, I should say. You say all of that and I want to wrap that up by saying that there are foundational elements to black history that are just as important as black history that we're seeing now. Black history has also um, transitioned over the years. Now we're in a black history era of I think it still borders with representation but as well as um, now creating longevity in black history. You know, Carol, I've brought this up to you before. Where no, we you ta- haven't. <laughs> <laughs> where we talk about um, seeing black owned references everywhere you look now. And I propose the question of, do you think it's meant to uh, seclude every other group and, and, you know, whatever business or whatever, I can't even get the word out. 
to seclude any other group or is there another purpose to it? And I pointed out that the intention behind pointing out black owned whatever it is, not just businesses, because let me tell you, there's a lot of black inventors over history. You know how many things we have because of black people? Um, and they're patented, so we can always look up the records. So that's always the exciting point. Um, but I brought it up because I wanted to point out that this is not to say, hey, only buy black uh, from black businesses or black people or just support black people. But it's also about creating, uh, excuse me, eliminating the wealth gaps between black communities that were either stripped away in the past or were not given an opportunity period um and so i you know she and i had brought that up at one point i don't know if we mentioned it on an episode or not but we had that conversation and i think it'll go deeper than that at some point um i kind of view it like a a movie or a book okay explain well you have your beginning Mm-hmm. Where you where you start talking about those things, mm-hmm. um, at, like this, where things were left out of Black history, or you have Black-owned businesses that were not elevated, like Asian businesses or Hispanic or white or whatever businesses, mm-hmm. and so now I think we're kind of getting to the climax of the movie, where everything is being brought out. Yeah. And now I think our next step is now that we know what the issues have been, how do we go to the final chapter, which is now we don't worry about anything except good businesses, smart businesses, people who, I don't want to say live a moral life, but um, they're not cheating people. They're not. Um, is that making any sense? Yeah, I, I'm actually kind of covering things like that in in class now. It's uh, the ethical side, and the uh, there's a couple more terms that they use, but absolutely it's about just being general, good in general business or whatever it is the the conversation is. Well, like, uh, what's his name? Who's the voice of Darth Vader? Yeah, you know I don't know. I was I never into the Star Wars. Oh my! Oh no, he's a really very as James Earl Jones. Was he really the voice of? No, let me. I gotta. Oh, look he's about to look it up. Really? Oh my gosh, Brandon! I I was not aware. I should be disappointed. Shut your mouth, James. But Earl he's Jones. also. <laughs> I should be ashamed of myself. I had no idea. And you are. <laughs> Valid. <laughs> but now he is somebody that people look up to. He's very accomplished in his art. Yeah. And he's to the point that he says, if we want to stop racism, we have to stop talking about it in that manner. We have to be people. So I don't think we're quite there yet Mm -hmm. because we're still at the climax of the book. Yeah. But we've got to, I agree with him. I think that's how we're going to get to the next chapter where we focus on people's accomplishments, where we focus and celebrate what people have done instead of worrying about, 
is that going to happen overnight? Well, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> Look how long it's been going on so far. <laughs> but I think the more we get people on board with the path that used to be good, because, you know, we had the civil rights. I was at the tail end of that back in the 60s. Right. And then things settled down and things got better. And somewhere along the way, the evil beast raised its head and brought it back again. And I just think that we've got to get rid of those evil beasts. You know, I don't disagree with you at all. I, I truthfully don't. I, and that was a great analogy, actually, that you brought up and how to reference that. Um, and I agree with it. I think we're at a peak now where there's so much brought to our attention now. It's being, it, it's, there's an awareness like never before. It's now, what do you do next? Do you keep doing the same thing and this lasts for another 30 years and we'll be on the same train? Or is it going to be back to a point of, you know what, this has happened in the past. There's still some experiences of it, but it's not the main focus. And, I'm, and that's, and not, that's to where, say, not to say... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, the, go ahead. I was going to say, and that's not to say that I'm never going to bring that conversation up or that we're going to ignore it. Um, but That's what history is for. Yeah. This is where we started. This is where we've been. This is the this is the bickering, the back and forth, the where we didn't get along. And then here's how we fixed it, how we've gotten to the place we are. Because if you don't go back and revisit the bad, it's going to happen again. It's happening right now. Yeah. Absolutely. So until next time when we continue this conversation, Fable, thank you for joining us here Anytime. at the Real Solution Podcast. Anytime. Especially on this special Black History Month 2021 episode. Um, I will say to all listening, continue to support your Black-owned businesses and your artists. And that's not to say don't support anybody else. Because, um, baby, let me tell you something. I can't wait for Hispanic Heritage Month. I love Hispanic and Latino communities. I love hearing about their culture and all of their contributions. Uh, you know, Americans take for granted single to Mayo. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know what? I, I think we need to do every, there's 12 months. We could surely come up with 12 different groups that we could focus each month. Absolutely. Yeah, that's and true. That'd be good. We're going to make it a point to try to do that. Absolutely. Because there's more than just black and there's more than just white here at the real solution podcast. Hey, well, I show up at Chinese restaurants frequently. <laughs> Me and you both. Listen, I'm going to tell y'all a story. My mom is going to be so embarrassed by me telling this. But when I was a kid, oh, my God, I'm so, so embarrassed. I love Chinese food very much. That is the that is one of the ways to my heart is buying me Chinese food. And I told my mom as a kid that I was going to marry a Chinese woman because she could make me write rice and Chinese food every day. I'm so embarrassed, but I was so sick. I love it. I love it so much. I still do. Well, let me tell you, this isn't about food, but it's about ethnicity. Um, when my middle daughter was maybe 10 or 11, she was on a softball team. 
and several families on the softball team had adopted Korean children. So one day we're on our way home and um, she spoke up and she said, we need to adopt. And my <laughs> husband said, okay. She, he said, why do we need to adopt? We need to ad- adopt a Korean baby because they're everywhere. <laughs> but that's the innocence of kids, you know? And I think we need to celebrate more of those kind of – the innocence of kids is just what we need to preserve. I I, I completely agree. Let the children be children. They will remind you of some of the most sincerest light that this world has to offer. Exactly. And then we destroy it. (laughs) I mean, we do. We we, we, we point out differences – that's why we have so many bullies on the playground. You yeah, know what? You got one bully and 20 other kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? Them 20 other kids can stop that bully in a heartbeat. Right. No, I agree. And it's one of the main components of that is that it starts at home. That's right. Sable, once again, thank you for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you tuning in to another episode of the Real Solution Podcast. Make sure you check us out on all the social media platforms Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, as well as checking out the website at www.therealsolutionpodcast.com. And we will see you guys in March. Bye. 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 Bye.